From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The largest PFD in the history of the state was announced yesterday. That's according to Governor Mike Dunleavy, who announced the number as $3,284. So it's $3,284, so for a family of five, that's over $16,000. That's going to help pay for a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, everything from fuel, food, medical bills, car repairs, rent, you name it. It's going to help. And um, again, this is not something that just occurred this year. This is an Alaska institution. There are a lot of states in this country right now that are jealous of Alaska. But I want to thank those folks many decades ago that saw the wisdom, saw the wisdom of putting this together so that future Alaskans could partake in this. It's going to be our goal to make sure that future Alaskans can do this for many, many generations to come. Uh, I think it works well for Alaskans. And um, uh, I look forward to, uh, to continuing to work with Alaskans, the legislature, and others. The check, scheduled to be dispersed on September 20th, covers both the permanent fund dividend and the energy rebate check. Related to the USDA sustainability projects is the Forest Service decision last year to restore the roadless rule. The rule largely bans timber harvesting in areas currently without roads in the Tongass, thus preserving old-growth stands. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said during a news conference Tuesday that the final rule is expected by the end of the year. We received over 110,000 110, comments on the proposed rule, um, indicating a, obviously a, a significant level of interest in this, uh, which obviously requires a significant level of, of responsiveness on our part. Uh, we anticipate uh, issuing the final uh, uh, rule, if you will, before the end of this year. And I recognize that this may not have happened as quickly as some would like, but I am committed to getting this done uh, to conserve this important resource. Uh, but I hope uh, folks understand that we do have to follow through the process. We have to be respectful of the people who took time and energy uh, to, to provide comments uh, so that the record is complete and as strong as it possibly can be uh, in order to uh, uh, defend uh, the, the decision that we've made to restore this, the protections of the 2001 roadless rule. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. Juno Representative Sarah Hannon reacted to Mary Peltola being elected to represent Alaska in Congress. Well, a guest on Action Line. I was listening to a national news story, and, um, you know, there was some reference to she'll probably focus on issues of resource development and chronic problems in rural Alaska and, you know, housing and water and... Uh, Teacher shortage, economic development, price of fuel, of energy, and <laughs> the list is getting longer. And those are not new issues. Mm. And um, as a legislator in Alaska, Mary Peltola worked on all of those issues. Hannon was asked if she has spoken with Peltola. I've had the opportunity to have conversations um, and meet with her and. I'm very excited about the vision she'll bring. And I'm not going to give her more on the to-do list because, like I said, she knows what the to-do list is for Alaska. And she's already working on it. That's why she ran. And, um, you know, back at the legislature, we'll continue to talk about how, you know, because it's this mixed level of services. We know that to fix energy costs in rural communities, we need federal engagement, we need state engagement, we need regional and local government engagement that we can't do any of those things alone. General Representative Sarah Hannon. 
It will be a battle of undefeated teams today as the Juno Huskies host West Valley of Yakima, Washington. The Huskies will enter the competition as the top-rated team in the state at 4-0. The West Valley team won their home non-conference opener against Walla Walla on September 2nd by a score of 34 to nothing. Tonight's game is set for 7 p.m. Head coach Rich Soros appeared on Capital Chat with Dano ahead of the game. He said this of making some adjustments. Let's talk about adjustments. Was that something you wanted to do going into this game? Because I noticed Colony had a really good game plan out the gate for you guys, and you did some really good adjustments to kind of combat that. So let's talk about those adjustments. Yeah, and I got to give credit, and I did at halftime to, uh, you know, our coaching staff. It was probably the best we've communicated all year. We had a, a couple of coaches there that were really seeing some some tweaks that if we made to the way we were blocking, that it would open up some running lanes. And they did a great job of communicating to those kids and and fixing some of that stuff that wasn't working in the first quarter. And, and so, I, you know, uh, yeah, I just I got to give credit to those coaches and, and, and just the fact that, that we were able to communicate that and get that through and, and make that work. But, you yeah, know, going in, you know, we, we've been kind of a heavy run team this year and uh, we have, you know, several different guys that can get the job done. He gave a lot of credit to the offensive line. They've been pretty pretty stout so far out of the gate, and, and uh, I think our, our offensive line really took it as a challenge this week because we, we did have a tough go the week before, and that's a credit to West Anchorage. You know, they, they are uh, some big, strong athletes they have up front, but uh, definitely felt like we could just do a better job, uh, you know, moving our feet and staying on our blocks, and, and they did a great job there. And then, you know, again, our defense, though, it's just, uh, you know, it kind of was, you know, unsung last week, but, you know, we, we gave up the punt return, and, and then they did get one more score, but that's it. I mean, every everybody, out, you know, so far through the first four weeks has, has had a hard time getting across the end zone against our defense, and anytime you play good defense like that, stopping the run and covering the pass and pressuring the quarterback. Again, the game is set for 7 p.m. Lance Mackey, one of Mushing's most colorful and accomplished champions, who also suffered from health and drug issues, has died. His father says Mackey died Wednesday after battling cancer. The four-time Iditarod Trail sled dog champion was 52. Mackey overcame throat cancer to win an unprecedented four straight Iditarod races from 2007 through 2010. He also won two Yukon Quest races across Canada and Alaska during that same time. But after the string of wins, he was beset by personal problems, health scares, and drug issues that prevented him from ever again reaching the top of the sport. He said cancer was found again when he was being treated after a car accident. According to the Juno Economic Development Council, there have been 1,492 new units added to Juno's housing stock, while the community's population has remained relatively stable in the last 12 years. In a research paper authored by the council, the question was set. Despite increases to Juno's housing stock relative to our population, why do we continue to experience worsening affordability and availability? JEDC Executive Director Brian Holst on Action Line. And how could that poss- be possible that it seems like we're not solving this problem? Mm-hmm. And what the data shows us is that while there are indeed short-term rentals, right, rentals that are, are less than a month that do take out some housing, it's relatively small. What we're really seeing are, are two demographic phenomena that are just showing the demand for housing in our population is growing despite a small growth in population. So in the last 10 years, we've added about 1,000 people in Juno's population. But what we've also added, though, is 
that many more seniors and um, an even larger number of people 20 to 40 years old. So in our schools, and you were on the school board, mm. you know, we're, we're seeing across the nation this sort of decreasing number of K-12 students. But what's happening is that seniors in Juneau are staying in place. They, they want housing, continue staying housing. But we're also seeing more adults in Juneau. The population of Juneau has increased by 980 people, or 3.13 percent, from 2010 to 2020, according to census data. Juneau's population has also gotten older, with a larger share of the older population living alone. Census data shows the portion of the population 20 years of age and older increased by 1,435 people, or 6.21%, while the youth population has decreased. What happened during the pandemic was that this happened nationally. It's hard to really tell the data here locally, but nationally what we, we do have data that shows that young people who used to live in, when they were younger, lived in um, apartments and shared two or three, four people in, into, into apartments, you know, not, not overcrowding, but, but living together. That reduced dramatically during the pandemic. People either moved home or lived alone. And as they're emerging from the pandemic, we're seeing that there are more and more individuals that are looking for individual homes versus sharing. How long that phenomenon will last, who knows. But that's also could be a, another, another one of many. It's a small dimension, but I, but I wanted to mention that as well. The paper concludes that, while short-term rentals and demographics have influenced the housing market, the demographic changes in Juno's population are a more significant factor in Juno's housing shortage than conversions to short-term rentals. The City and Borough of Juneau Assembly Finance Committee met on Wednesday. Deputy City Manager Robert Barr spoke on the KINY Morning Show about what was discussed. The city heard from its investment manager. The Assembly had a lot of conversations last night. Um, they started off with their investment manager, who they hear from once a year. Um, Insight Investments is the firm that we use, uh, reporting on FY22 performance and um, just the general uh, Assembly's investment portfolio and as a whole. Uh, they also talked about the, their investment policy statement, which is the guidance document that the investment manager uses to uh, understand uh, how uh, the Assembly wishes to invest funds. Um, they talked more about uh, housing. That was kind of the primary topic of the agenda uh, in a variety of ways. So property tax abatement uh, continues that conversation. Adding housing to Juno will see some support from the city. The main focus of last night was uh, moving forward with uh, adding uh, large multifamily houses, housing, so apartment buildings, um, to a potential tax abatement program. So they had a conversation about that last night um, and uh, are moving that on. Um, they also revisited, again, the Gastineau Lodges pre-development loan um, talked about that project and the terms and conditions or the potential terms and conditions of that loan um, and are moving that along as well. I talked about a small grant to the Glory Hall and received an update from our finance director about our revenue forecasting. So the long and short of that particular topic is that uh, sales tax revenues are up um, and uh, inflation is real. Uh, we knew that already, um, but... Um, that has an impact on our revenues and our expenses at the city level as well. Uh, so it was a it was a good 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 long meeting last night. Deputy City Manager Robert Barr. The Juno Municipal Clerk's Office is currently recruiting civic-minded Juno residents to assist in conducting this year's municipal election. 
The city said election workers are responsible for a wide variety of tasks, from operating vote centers to serving on the Canvas Review Board. Training begins next week for election workers. Positions open include election call center workers, vote center workers, ballot drop box teams, Canvas Review Board workers, and on-call election workers. More can be read at KINYradio.com. The Sharing Our Knowledge Conference began Wednesday in Wrangell. The five-day event began with warming of the hands, a cultural welcome at Chief Sheik's house, the Klan Longhouse restored in 2013. Bill Willard introduced the gathering to Wrangell. My birth given name is Shawan, and the given name after is the Shishkao. Uh, my name is Bill Willard. Uh, I'm a, also a Kayash Kiritan, one of the original 10 clan members of Wrangell. So I just wish everyone uh, a good conference. Uh, it kind of looks like it's going to be a good one. It's exciting already. I can't wait for it to start. So welcome to Wrangell, and enjoy your stay. Elder Tom Gillen, Raven, spoke his introduction in Clinket. Clinket, Enoch, sit the Kuji, you could do a song. Late Enoch, Tom Gillen, you could do a song. Yet, I had, called Quady Yadi, I had, stuck in Kwan, I had, Kachkana, Aw, Ye Kachiti. I welcome everybody here, and uh, it's good to have the caring and knowledge here, and have a good time. Storyteller Michael Hoyt explained one part of the tale of the founding of the village that would become Wrangell. It's really good to look upon all your guys' faces to be in this house again. Tiatan Nachsati, of the Tiatan clan, same people group as the Kiksadi and the Katjadi. We've been together for a long time. And we're just excited that so many folks from around, not just Alaska, but into Canada, have come here. And as I was thinking about folks coming here, I, keep, I kept on thinking about the story of a man named Toos who went up the river, the Stikine River, and met folks down there and married into the folks up there and then came back down. And as he was coming back down the river before they came back to the village, he called out to them and he said, just like my uncle Kachachkuk, I have returned if you folks will have us. And they waited and they waited and they sent a canoe out to welcome them. And finally, when those canoes came out, they uh, welcomed them into the village. And before anyone could get out of the canoes, all of the people came down and they picked the canoes up and they carried them into the houses because they wanted them to know how much they honored and respected those people. Never miss a story or a newscast at keinyradio.com. Now you're up to date for News of the North. This is Kevin Allen.